the Young and Healthy Podcast. You're listening to the Cincinnati Children's Young and Healthy Podcast. Welcome back to the Young and Healthy Podcast. I'm Kate Sutter, your host for today, and I am excited to have in the studio with me Dr. Jasmine Gray, who is a pediatrician at our Florence Primary Care Practice. Thanks for being with us, Dr. Gray. Thank you for having me. This is super exciting, the start of summer. (laughs) Well, we are going to be talking about taking care of kids' skin during the summer. Yes. So we're just about um, a week or so of kids being on summer break, and the weather here in Cincinnati has been really pretty and tons of kids outside yes. starting their summers exploring. And so we're going to talk about a few things. Um, and I'd love to start with sun. Uh, yes. When we're talking about the skin and keeping kids safe this summer, sun is always top of my list. Um, so let's just jump right in. And will you yeah. tell us, Dr. Gray, How important is it to take precautions in the sun with kiddos and their skin? So I love that question because we emphasize it in the summertime, but year round, it should be, you should be taking precautions. So I think it's super important that you should not only um, take care of your child's skin and your skin in the summer, but all year round, their sun all year round. And so you should really be thinking about it all year round, but it is very, very important um, for the safety of your child. We don't want you to be scared of the sun because we want you to get some vitamin D. You need about like five to 30 minutes of like exposure daily to get that, Um, which I think most of us are, even if you're just by a window or driving in the car Mm -hmm. um, to your destinations. Um, But in the summer, because we have longer days, more sun, direct sun exposure, um, it's very important. So knowing that sometimes kids are out at the pool, in the backyard, they're in the sun for um, longer Hours. Yeah. Hours sometimes, hopefully, right? They're not inside yeah, yes. the whole summer. We want them outside. <laughs> we do want them outside. So what are the ways that parents can protect their kids' skin from sunburn and also teach older kids how to do some of these things themselves? Yes. I always say stay covered, stay cool, and give yourself breaks. Um, yes, you should be outside, but there's shaded areas. You should have loose fitting clothing that's kind of covered if you can. Um, And then if you aren't covered, use sunscreen always. (laughs) But there's different ways you can cover yourself like with hats, shirts, jackets, um, pants, but if not sunscreen always. (laughs) So I feel like the like sun shirts, like rash guards and those like swim shirts, we didn't have those when I was a kid, but I feel like they're kind of I I like them as a parent. Yes. What's your opinion of them as a pediatrician? I love them, Um, especially when your kid is under six months. The only way to truly, really protect them is with covering their skin. So that's why they have the cute little hats and they have even like um, little pop-up things you can buy for them to sit under, keep them cool, keep them covered. Like I say, most of their swimsuits have sleeves. So I would definitely make sure they're covered, especially if they're under six months. But beyond, like you said, for the older kids, um, making sure you have a hat 
if you're going to be outside for a really long period of time. Um, you can even take umbrellas sometimes if you're going to be outside, say, a baseball game and there's no cover. Or just taking a break, going inside for a little bit and coming back outside or sitting under the porch. So, And you mentioned under six months. So my next question was going to be, can a baby be too young for sunscreen? Yes. Is that where that six months comes in? <laughs> yes, that's where the American Academy of Pediatrics um, and dermatologists recommend under six months, it's not really safe to use any topical sunscreen. So covering is best always. Sounds great. And so keeping on that kind of sunscreen topic, what SPF level should parents be looking for, especially in yeah. those youngest kiddos with that most tender skin? Yes. Um, I will always just say 30 is the magic number. However, um, 15 plus when you have a kid six months to 12 months. After that, though, 30 plus. That's the sweet spot. Um, there are SPFs that you see are 45, 50, 75, 100. What does that really mean? It just means like you're going to be outside longer. So people pick the 100. However, um, say if you're not actually properly putting on the sunscreen, your 45 might actually just be 30. So read your directions um, where it says like how to apply and how often so that you're actually getting SPF 30 all the time. <laughs> and one of those instructions that I may have missed at one point um, is that even waterproof sunscreens, Yes, like the more you're in the water, the more often you have to reapply them. Yes. So I think there are kind of some hidden, you know, rules in there to make sure yes. you're using it correctly. Yes. A lot of them will say 60 to 80 minutes. You have to reapply um, if you're not in the water or you're not sweating because sweating is, is water. Mm -hmm. um, then every two hours you should be reapplying your sunscreen. I always say start with like a topical lotion or cream when you start your day. Um, but sprays are okay because you're busy, you're running around, you can't get your kid to sit still for very long. But finding a safe spray and avoiding like the airways, um, so your face or even their hands so they don't lick their hands <laughs> and get some of that in their, in their mouth. Um, so avoid the airways, avoid the face, the hands, um, but always start with like a topical um, and always remember, too, that you should be letting the sunscreen sit for a few minutes before you go out in the sun. So just start your day with sunscreen. <laughs> it's a perfect solution. Yeah. We just put it on every morning, everybody. So say that something doesn't happen exactly the way that we want it to, and a mm -hmm. child does end up getting yes. too much sun. Yes. It happens. Yes, it does. <laughs> um, what do you recommend to treat a mild sunburn? A mild sunburn, you can naturally go pick an aloe vera plant and rub some of that on the skin, but just immediately kind of use like a cool, um, not too cold, like um, washcloth to kind of get the skin to, to feel better, but just remove yourself from the area and try not to re-expose immediately. Give yourself a day or two um, before you go back outside and reapply your sunscreen on top of that. Um, but aloe vera is a great way to soothe the skin. Um, emollients like Aquaphor, Vaseline, those also help soothe the skin as well. And what if um, what if there's a kiddo who has a sunburn that's a little worse than a mild sunburn? Yes, a little worse. Um, so 
a little worse. Um, still do those topical <laughs> treatments to soothe the skin. And then if it's really bad, um, I think we've all experienced sunburn before. Mm-hmm. You can give like a Tylenol or um, something to help relieve the pain orally as well. I would avoid topical um, pain relievers. Um, those can easily get soaked into the skin. You've already broken down the skin barrier once it's burnt. So you want to avoid anything topically that can really um, get it absorbed into the skin. Um, so I would say then it is actually safer to do something oral to relieve that pain. And just remember, don't re-expose <laughs> too soon. <laughs> is there ever a point that you'd want to see a kiddo in the office? Yes. That's when I say like, sun poisoning in a sense. So if they're having nausea, vomiting, um, fatigue, itching from bumps, redness that's spreading, definitely come and see your pediatrician, (laughs) see your PCP after that, or any worries, honestly, if you're just unsure what to do, always come. But if you're having physical symptoms or it's worsening and not getting better after you've done those topical aloe vera or emollients, Mm -hmm. um, you're given a little bit of pain relief or you're having to give too much or you're just uncomfortable, come and see us. (laughs) Fantastic advice. And actually sun poisoning was going to be part of my next question. So um, sun poisoning and heat rash, what are those things and what should parents be looking for? So sun poisoning versus like a heat rash, two different things. Heat rash, you actually don't need any sun exposure at all. You're just hot. Um, babies get that all the time. We call it prickly heat or in medical terms, miliaria. Um, but all you have to be is hot. Um, so you just always want to keep the skin cool and dry. And they're just little red dots that are kind of on those heated areas of the skin, usually on the chest and the back of the abdomen versus sun poisoning. You're having, you can have all of that plus more. So you have maybe nausea, vomiting, a headache. Um, You have like itching, burning pain of the skin um, that's worsening, not getting better. Um, So you have more physical symptoms than just, oh, your skin is burnt and it's red (laughs) or peeling. So peeling is not poisoning either, but worse than that, like really red, blistery type skin with other physical symptoms. Hopefully. Yes. (laughs) We won't experience it this summer, but it's so good to be prepared and know what those things are. Yes, of course. Is there anything else about sun that we should chat about real quick that we that I didn't ask about? The sun. It's fun. Um, enjoy it. Be careful. Be safe. Um, go outside. Get your vitamin D. Remember, you only need about 5 to 30 minutes of exposure each day, and you can get that by driving in the car. Um, but don't forget your sunscreen, not just this summer, but this fall, this winter and spring too. Always, I say on any exposed area of the body, you should have sunscreen throughout the year. Um, but just make it a habit of your daily routine so you don't have to remember in the summertime to do it. <laughs> Perfect. Well, I'm going to pivot us then to a still skin related, but very different topic of bug bites and stings and (laughs) all of these things that live in our environment with us that can Mm -hmm. actually harm the skin. So I guess my my first question um, in this area is what buzzing and crawling creatures can be problematic during the summer? 
Well, if you're scared, they can all be problematic. <laughs> um, but really, I would say um, so mosquitoes, those are a big one. Um, wasp, hornets, those are two. Mm-hmm. Um, and then ticks, those are huge if you're into being outdoors. Um, or And you don't even have to be a hiker. They could really kind of be in your backyard sometimes too. Um, but those are the problematic um buzzing and crawling creatures that we should be worried about. (laughs) Are there any just kind of overarching recommendations for how to protect kids from these creatures? Yes. So again, with um, covering the skin, um, (laughs) I say hiking 101, you should never wear shorts. You should never wear a tank top. You should always like have your skin covered. Um, all the way from like your chest to your toes. Um, And even then you should have um, some bug repellents. Um, There's the um, DEET, the main ingredient that we mostly see in most bug repellents that you buy from the store, but there are natural ones too. Um, They usually have like a a lemon citronella um, ingredient in that. but I really, really like that they now have bug stickers that you can put on your, your little ones. You don't have to spray them down because some of those can cause some distress. Say your kid has asthma or allergies and that can trigger like an exacerbation or they're just sensitive to those scents. You, you don't want to always do that. So they have stickers, um, but always, always cover yourself so that you know your skin isn't exposed and then when you're coming in from being outdoors do a skin check just do a survey and make sure there isn't any creatures that are going to come in with you late at night (laughs) and that's particularly important for ticks right yes that's Mm -hmm. kind of what what they're looking what a a parent would be looking for most yeah exactly ticks they're fun thankfully i say here in um the tri-state, so like Ohio, Indiana, Kentucky, we're not in a predominantly Lyme disease area, but say you travel, um, but there still still are other ticks that can cause symptoms. They can give you um, those symptoms of nausea, vomiting, fatigue, fever. Um, the longer they're on, the more likely you are to have those symptoms. So that's why as soon as you come in or even when you're outside doing a check, if you're on a hike, mid-hike, um, just to see if there's anything that's attached to you because the sooner you get it off, the better off you are. Um, but yes, ticks, ticks are one you should definitely check for. <laughs> Is there anything in particular that parents should know about like removing a tick if they do find one? You definitely should. Um don't squeeze. Okay. <laughs> um, and don't use your fingers. Um, so don't freak out. Always stay calm in situations when there's any type of bite, um, particularly um, a tick bite, but you want to get the head. Um, so get some clean tweezers if you have them available. Um, and then you just grab the head gently. Don't squeeze. And then you remove that. And then you do a check um, because sometimes, depending on how long the tick has been there, how big the tick was, um, it can go deeper. So you want to make sure all the mouth parts or the head parts are removed from the skin. Um, 
And if you're having trouble doing that, then definitely call your call your PCP or go to your urgent care emergency room to get that removed um, safely. Um, but stay calm and remember, go for the head and don't squeeze. <laughs> okay, perfect. No, that I mean it's it's hard though. It, it is. We found my son found one when we were on vacation last year, and he's freaking out. Yes, and they're they're pretty creepy little things yeah they don't move fast <laughs> they don't, they move, don't fast. move at all <laughs> once they're there they're there um but it could be alarming mm-hmm. when you see one and if you can keep it put it in a baggie um don't smush it with your fingers like i said don't use your hands don't use your fingers okay. um put it between like two plastic baggies or two pieces of tape and then if you're still concerned, um, bring that to your doctor so we can make sure everything is okay. Kind of mark the area. So make a circle where it was so you can watch for any spreading redness or infection. Because um, normally, you know, the tick has already kind of introduced itself to your skin. So it's broken its barrier. And so you can have any bacteria that's on your skin or in the environment could get in there and cause an infection. Um, so make a circle to make sure it's not spreading or worsening to help um, to help us track what's going on. <laughs> so like a circle on your child's skin yes. around mm-hmm. where it was? Around where the tick was bit um, your child or you. <laughs> or us. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to ask now about mosquitoes because it was the first mm-hmm. one you said. And yeah. <laughs> so some kids like get really, really large welts yeah. with mosquito bites and others it's just kind of small and nondescript. Mm -hmm. What's going on there with those kind of... I wish I could tell you. (laughs) Oh, it's a mystery. (laughs) It's a mystery. Um, It's just kind of how like you never know if your child's going to develop an allergy to peanuts or eggs or Mm -hmm. strawberries. You know, you never know. But um, usually it's not the first time they've been bit by a mosquito where you have the really um, moderate to severe reactions, just like any other allergy. However, you should be aware <laughs> of the different stages and of, of a mosquito bite or any bite or reaction. Do parents need to do anything differently if they have um, a child who has that significant reaction to a mosquito bite? Yes. Um, so always go to your doctor. <laughs> okay. For sure. Now, if it's just a little bite, it you know, the redness doesn't spread. It's a little itchy. Um, then you could just treat it at home, mm-hmm. calamine lotion, um, topical things like that. Try to avoid topical antihistamine sometimes in those situations because, okay. again, it can get absorbed into the body. I'd rather you just give an oral antihistamine if it's really, really itchy, okay. um, and especially if you have multiple bites because mosquitoes don't like to just bite once. <laughs> no, they don't. They like to go multiple times. And then just being aware of your environment. So, you know, open juice boxes or soda cans um, attract more um, bright colors and floral colors. They're really nice, but... <laughs> Um, you know, all these like bees and mosquitoes, they like those colors too. Um, they like those scents. So be aware of that. Try to protect yourself that way. But if there is a severe reaction, then definitely go see your doctor. Um, there is a difference, however, in like severe versus like emergency. So what's mm-hmm. an emergency? Um, you immediately, usually within about 
30 minutes after a sting or a bite, you're going to have difficulty breathing, tongue swelling, facial swelling, limb swelling, or swelling of the area where you were bitten, nausea, vomiting um, afterwards too. Those are also symptoms. Go straight to the emergency room so we can watch your child and get them treated properly um, for sure. When you mentioned oral antihistamines, um, so the first one that comes to mind is, for me is Benadryl. Yeah. Is that one? Are That's there the others? Grandfather. <laughs> the, the grandfather of oral antihistamine. <laughs> there are it. others. So um, I say second generation Zyrtec, Claritin, um, Allegra. Okay. Um, so allergy medicine. Allergy medicine. Yeah. Those last longer and they have less side effects. Okay. However, um, trusted, tried and true grandfather Benadryl. It works um, pretty quickly. Um, it just doesn't have a lasting effect. So it's going to wear off in about six to eight hours. Okay. However, it might make your child a little sleepy. So make sure you know your child's weight and dose at all times. <laughs> okay. Just in case. <laughs> Sounds very good. But if you need it, yeah, and if that's you what need you have, it, please give it. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. <laughs> Going to stings. And so I know that you mentioned some of the, um, you know, like an allergic reaction. Yes to being bitten or stung mm-hmm. and so definitely like wasps and hornets mm-hmm. those have kind of that allergy concern associated with them yes what should families be looking for like you mentioned the you know the swelling and all of those things anything yeah. else that we should know about a possible developing allergic reaction to a sting yeah um so they usually don't get better after each sting. Hopefully you don't have multiple. Um, but if you see that each time your child gets bit by a mosquito or a hornet, or hopefully not a bee, that the reaction and the symptoms get worse. So, oh, it started out as just a little red bump, but this time it was swollen and red. And then the next time, like there was welts and hives going down, um, that's when you should definitely seek a medical professional and possibly get tested because each time that's just telling you that it's going to get worse. Your body is kind of getting sensitized to that and it's saying, hey, I don't like it. I really don't like it. And you don't want to get to the point where you do have throat swelling and tongue swelling and difficulty breathing. So definitely watch for the progression. Mm -hmm. Um, But say it's just Every time they get a mosquito bite, it's just a little red bump, then okay, that's fine. If it stays the same each time, um, treat it at home, that's okay. Um, But also, like, if there's multiple, be um, aware. And how I said kind of draw a circle around Mm -hmm. where um, that really red bump is, that kind of helps you monitor because you're like, our eyes can deceive us. You're like, was it that big yesterday? But if there's a circle, you'll see, oh, oh no, it grew. Because even once you've kind of penetrated the skin, um, you can develop a boil or an abscess in that area because then other bacteria, you've given the chance for other things to enter into that area. Um, So just monitor and watch. But definitely any progression of symptoms that's getting worse with each time, Mm -hmm. go see your your doctor before it gets too bad. So what about like a sting that doesn't seem to be an allergic reaction of some sort? It just Mm -hmm. hurts a lot. Yeah. (laughs) How can we help take care of kiddos at home if they have one of those? Um, A warm compress um, on that area. You can also, um, sometimes you can use like um, an ice pack 
mm-hmm. or a bag of peas is always mm-hmm. easy too. Yep. And then just take um, a pain reliever, Motrin, Tylenol. Tylenol first, I always say, and then Motrin if you need it. Okay. Um, but try to avoid anything topical um, just because you've already broken the skin's barrier and you don't want anything to kind of seep in there. Um, so things that have like benzocaine in them, like there's a lot of like topical pain relievers. Don't use those. Try be very cautious when you're using those for kids. Always ask your pediatrician if it's okay. Um, but avoid anything topical um, that has anything that says pain relief. Now, if it's an antibiotic ointment, like that's okay to put on there. If it's already broken the skin, then definitely, because that could be prophylactic preventative from developing those boils and abscesses and infections. But avoid topical pain relief and just stick to the Tylenol, Motrin, use a warm compress, even an ice pack to cool that skin and just watch. (laughs) Sounds good. Anything about bites and stings that we haven't chatted about that we should? Yes. If you know your child has an actual um, allergy to a bee or anything, make sure you have your EpiPen on you and it's not expired. (laughs) Um, So go to your regular checkups, check your medicine cabinet. Um, And not just that, you know, you should be checking to make sure your Tylenol is not expired or your Benadryl is not expired um, because that means it's either not going to work or it's less effective. (laughs) Yes. Um, So just always, if you know your child has an allergy, make sure your EpiPen's there and make sure you know how to use it. Okay. And then if a child has a known allergy, Mm -hmm. You should have a plan. You should have a plan mm-hmm. of what to do if, if a sting happens. <laughs> yes. Yes, for sure. <laughs> All right. And those EpiPens, such a good reminder. I think that's yeah. a good just kind of for anybody that has EpiPens, double check those mm-hmm. uh, those expiration dates. So our final kind of area of summertime skin um, discussion, I'd love to chat just a little bit about the plants that families might encounter when they're out kind of exploring outside that can be problematic. Yes. What are the ones that they're most likely to run into during the summer? So poison ivy and poison oak are the two ones that we're very aware of, but we actually don't, I've found a lot of people don't know what they look like. They do blend in very much so Mm -hmm. (laughs) to just the environment, but those are the two main ones that cause like a skin reaction or um, atopic dermatitis in a sense, like just a rash or hives. (laughs) And what does it typically look like if you have poison ivy or poison oak? Are they different or do they look Um, a lot the same? They look the same to me. (laughs) Okay. <laughs> As the pediatrician to the to the bare eye. Um, but basically, once that sap has gotten onto your skin, mm-hmm. um, it's going to leave a trail. Wherever it's been, it's going to leave a trail. So usually like a linear trace um, line, raised red bumps, um, like a hive going down wherever it touched. So um, it's usually in a line, but like say you brush up against something, it'll be kind of a brush against wherever you were. Um, but usually say a kid is running through the fields, it's going to be on their legs <laughs> as they're running mm-hmm. or, you know, it's, um, usually poison oak is higher and I say poison ivy grows lower. So that's sometimes how you can tell the difference of what it is, but I'm going to treat them the same. So, um, so it doesn't necessarily it doesn't, matter which yeah, one it was. It doesn't usually matter. They both do the same thing. <laughs> Yeah. 
And how are those rashes treated? Is that something that families can take care of at home or should they come in to see their pediatrician? Um, usually you can take care of it at home. Um, you know, there's a lot of over-the-counter things that you can buy. Just always read your ingredients. <laughs> okay. Um, so um, start with an oral antihistamine because it's going to be really itchy. Um, and once you start it to scratch, if you haven't cleaned off the skin, you're just going to be spreading the sap everywhere you touch. Um, so first thing is, is get yourself out, <laughs> get out of the area and then clean off, take a bath, take a cool, cool, warm bath, mm -hmm. um, get all of that off, wash it off. Don't forget the clothes that you were wearing. Cause that can also have the sap on it. Wash your hands <laughs> after you've, you know, cleaned your child. Um, so Remove yourself and then wash. And okay. then after that, um, antihistamine, Benadryl, Zyrtec, Claritin, all those, um, take those and then just watch. The rash can sometimes last like a few days to like a week, but they can last a couple weeks um, with treatment depending on how much sap um, and how long it was on your skin. But then once you've kind of done that treatment, get rid of it. <laughs> if you have to hire a professional, just get rid of it. But if you're going to do it yourself, wear gloves mm -hmm. um, and kind of pick out all the poison ivy, all the poison oak um, from where your kids are playing at. Is it true that some people don't react to these yes. plants? <laughs> I would say I'm actually one of those people. <laughs> oh, I'm so envious. Um, <laughs> only to poison ivy. Um, but here's the thing. I may eventually develop like an allergy and reaction. Um, so I would say just get rid of it because <laughs> you never know if you are. But yes, some people don't react to it. I don't know if they have a better skin barrier. I doubt it. But um, sometimes it's just your exposure. Um, some people, you know, you never know. Some people are allergic to peanuts and some aren't. So some people aren't. Yes, and you're very grateful if you aren't. However, you never know. You could eventually. I would not, um, you know, bet on it. <laughs> Can the rashes be spread to other people? Yes. Um, if you haven't removed that sap from your skin or your clothes, Okay. You can pass it along. Okay. <laughs> so that's why I say get out, clean yourself, remove it from everything. Yep. Um, wash your hands. Um, but yes, you can spread it from person to person, even if you just kind of brush up against someone's arm that they had poison, the sap of poison ivy or poison oak on mm -hmm. them. Um, and say they are someone that doesn't react. <laughs> you may not you see may it. No. <laughs> yeah. Well, but once you've cleaned all the sap off mm -hmm. and all of that, I mean, because those rashes can get kind of oozy. They can. Um, yeah. Like, but that can't, can, can that spread to other people? Like if you, if it's the later stages of the rashes? Um, so particularly, no. Um, if it's, if you've cleaned yourself, you've gotten all this app mm -hmm. off, um, that's just your body producing its own kind of um, defense in okay. a sense. However, since the skin barrier is broken, it is at increase of infection. So okay. a topical antibiotic ointment is okay or an emollient, a barrier cream like Aquaphor or Vaseline is okay. Aloe vera is okay mm -hmm. um, as well, but nothing that has like benzocaine or lidocaine um, in the okay. ingredient. Try to avoid those and then you want to stop the itching. So you want to stop scratching and reopening up like infection. <laughs> um, so okay. avoid the itch, you avoid the spread. <laughs> I like that. I like that. 
Is there a point at which a kiddo might need to come see the pediatrician if it's gotten really bad? Yes. Very painful. Um, spreading. Um, okay. On those sensitive areas, so the face is definitely one, um, around the eyes, around the mouth, or, you know, you've done the topical treatment and it's not getting better. It's getting worse. Okay. Um, definitely come in. Um, it should always get better <laughs> when you're treating it at home. It shouldn't get worse. <laughs> okay. So is there anything additional that families should be thinking about to prevent exposure to these plants while they're out and enjoying the summer? Yes. Say you're on a hike and it's not your own backyard that you can get rid of it easily. Keep your skin covered um, always. So pants, um, socks, um, long sleeves, um, airy clothing to keep yourself cool in the summertime. Um, but just keep your skin covered and then always remember to like wash your hands <laughs> after you've touched something or done anything, um, outdoors. <laughs> Perfect. Well, we, we've covered the sun, we've covered the creepy crawly things and also the plants that can be problematic for the skin for the summer. Is there anything else just kind of generally about helping Helping families think through how yeah. to how to protect their kids. Yeah, I guess for all three like topics, sun, bugs, plants, um, for one, have fun. Like have fun. Go outside. Don't be afraid. But always keep cool, keep covered, keep protected. Remember whatever you're using, always read the instructions, read the ingredients. If you have a question about it, Go to your pediatrician. Go to your PCP. Um, try not to go to Google. <laughs> there, you know, there's some good resources, but always go to your trusted um, care physician and have fun again. Yeah. <laughs> this has been such good information. Thank you so much for yeah. running through all of it with us. Um, and so grateful for your time today. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, of course. Thank you. <laughs> You've been listening to the Young and Healthy Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you next time. This episode of Young and Healthy was recorded on June 7th, 2023. Young and Healthy Podcast content is intended for informational and educational purposes only. This episode was produced by Symphony Fair Harris and Kayla McNeil. And our theme music was created by Stephen Greco. Thanks for listening. Follow Cincinnati Children's on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter.